Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts. Leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Wimmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, everybody. And today, we are going to be recapping Game 1 and talking about if the Cleveland Cavaliers can be pulling the upset on the Golden State Warriors. We're also going to be jumping in and talking about the Brian Colangelo, uh, what's it called, the burner accounts, and seeing uh, what the future for the 76ers is if he gets fired or when he gets fired, because it's looking like it's, uh, uh, it's closing in on Brian Colangelo's time in Philadelphia. Then we're going to be talking about the Celtics trading up for Mo Bamba. Will, should it happen? All that here on the Fast Break Podcast. Before we do that, on your one-stop shop for all NBA news and discussion. Uh, first off, check out patreon.com slash podcast. You want to be on a podcast, be on a segment, pick the segment, head over to patreon.com slash podcast. Check out that $10 tier. Also, check out mostofpodcast.com. I did some writing for a job interview or uh, resume, and you can check it out. It's how does Luka Doncic fit fit on the Chicago Bulls. If you want to check that out over on mostofpodcast.com, you could also check out our gear if you want to buy an MVP shirt. And also, if you're listening on iTunes, Rate us five stars, both the onside kick. Why do I always say both? The onside kick, the fast break, the primetime podcast, the Ricky Jotty podcast, and also if you're on YouTube, check out the Outcast. Buzz and Juice put out a great podcast every single week. But, boys, we got to talk about it. Game one just mm-hmm. got done. LeBron James put up 51 points. J.R. Smith made one of the biggest boneheaded plays <laughs> we've ever seen, and the Cavs should have won that game but again we you know can go through every blown call by the refs we can go through J.R. Smith grabbing the offensive board and pulling it out plain and simple the Cavs lost Warriors are up one nothing Ricky I'm gonna go to you first okay. can the Cavs still pull off the upset or was that the nail in the coffin losing game one the way they did now the thing that with me I kind of want to say oh can they I want to go with maybe I'm not in the yes I'm not mm-hmm. in the no hmm. because for me I was I was shocked with what I was seeing in game one. I was expecting, I know we didn't record a podcast before the finals, but like in my head when I'm thinking about what would my prediction be, yeah. I was like, well, can I pick Warriors in three? Like that's how much of a blowout I, said that last year I thought it yeah. was going to be. And I didn't expect it to be a tie game going into regulation. I didn't even expect the Cavs to be leading at the end of the first quarter. And after game one, we got the same exact answers, though, that I think we all were expecting. This team, this Cavs team, is only going to go as far as LeBron James takes them. Well, and one thing, too, is not only was I—I I wasn't really shocked that they were leading by mm-hmm. after one, but I was yeah. shocked that even after the third-quarter Warriors went off to start that third mm-hmm. quarter, that Cleveland got right back into the game. And, and that, that even well, the LeBron fourth quarter— Well, yeah, but even—no, I mean, for, the, even when LeBron was mm-hmm. out, they went on a couple runs. So, yeah. I mean, it wasn't even when LeBron was off, they didn't—you know, uh, they weren't killing it. Dare I say was, a team effort. Yeah, LeBron was a, a negative two when it, uh, even even throughout the whole game. I mean, again, obviously they lost the game, and he was on the 10-point blowout side in, in, in OT. But still, the Cavs weren't bad when LeBron was off the floor. Um, but the, the thing that was just surprising, that even going into the fourth quarter, it was— mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. close as it was. And it felt like Cleveland still had the momentum to pull it off. And then, Dave, we get down to the last you know three minutes, and all hell breaks loose. Bad foul calls, no calls uh, made, and the clear you know JR move. Can the Cavs come back in this one? Yeah, I absolutely believe they can. What they showed in Game 1 is that they have uh, a game plan at least to how to efficiently get at the Warriors. They had a bunch of open looks throughout the game. They didn't convert on them, which is kind of one of their biggest problems is when you miss wide open threes, you're, you're not doing yourself any service. That's exactly how the Rockets lost, was missing open threes. We saw it again. It seems interesting that the Warriors are willing to give them the shots, though. I'm wondering now, is this a trend? Is this just the Warriors' perimeter defense? They're not so concerned, even though when teams have good sharpshooters out there, they're mm-hmm. just like, we'll roll with the odds. Well, I think the biggest thing, and and it feels weird because I feel like they can't pull it off. And I've been the really? one that's, you know, before the playoffs started, I yeah. picked the Cavs to win. Mm-hmm. And, and before, you know, we, we, you know, like you said, Ricky, we didn't pick up, uh, you know, uh, our predictions, but I probably would have said Golden State in seven or six. I still felt like Cleveland had a shot, but... The way they lost with J.R. Smith, you know, t- grabbing the offensive board, not putting it back up, even if he missed it, even if he got fouled, and even if he missed those two foul shots, even if they'd still went into overtime, it would have been a different story because mm-hmm. Golden State would have had that, wouldn't have that ammunition of, all right, giving the game to you. I mean, that's a deflating way it's to lose. Cleveland wasn't yeah. focused because they're focusing on the mm-hmm. fact that they should have won, and Golden State's feeling like they have a brand new life. So that could overtime could have been completely different. You know, Golden State might have won, but it might have been closer than what we saw. The way that they lost was absolutely demoralizing. And I think the one thing, too, is we saw Golden State back off on the shooters and obviously, you know, them grabbing the boards like that because they were getting beat up on the offensive yeah. boards and just boards all around. Mm-hmm. Um, I think 19 offensive boards for Cleveland. But whenever Golden State was able to take a defensive board, they were running back immediately and Cleveland had no no way to stop them in transition like their transition D was absolutely horrid yeah. in game one and seeing that seeing the momentum they took in overtime and seeing the fact that again Clay Steph and KD all had 24 points in that game and they might be getting Andre Iguodala back I think this was the game that Cleveland needed to win mm-hmm. and the fact that they lost it the way they did is just taking the wins out of their sails Maybe they go to six, maybe it goes to seven, mm-hmm. but I don't think Cleveland's able to pull it off because that game, I think, is going to be the turning point, and it's game one. It, you know, game one's pretty much the decider in my mind that I don't think Cleveland can come back, even mm-hmm. with LeBron James having heroic efforts, even if they're starting to hit their open threes. I just don't see it possible because I think Golden State just got enough ammunition and enough motivation to win this game solely off of game one. Well, and I mean, you said it. Andre Vidal is the big question mark because game two— is going to be, to me, the most crucial of the series for the Cavs and the Warriors, but more so for the Cavs, because how do you overcome just everything that happened at the end? The J.R. Smith incident happened, and then even in overtime, it was like the Warriors took over, Mm -hmm. and it was all Warriors from there on out. Yeah, there was a little bit of the Warriors becoming the Warriors, but also I feel like that moment just shook the Cavs, and will that be the same thing? Coming out of the—because, yeah, LeBron gets two days. He gets Friday, Saturday, and then plays on Sunday. But also you give Andre Iguodala that time to rest up. And I know everyone is like, oh, well, why are we calling him the LeBron stopper? But the thing I look at is Sean, that— the, I can hear no, the no, eyes no, roll back. No, the more important no. thing is I'm not calling him a LeBron mm-hmm. stopper— is the last time Andre Iguodala played, this team was up 2-1, probably wouldn't have went to Game 7 against the Rockets— and he's a big reason 
why that series went to seven and will be a big help I'm, to the Warriors. I'm not rolling it saying LeBron stopper. I mean, we've seen yeah. Andre Iguodala be a great defender against LeBron James. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that, again, maybe LeBron goes you know below 40 points per game when, when Andre Iguodala comes mm-hmm. back. But the thing that was you know yesterday, it wasn't the fact that you know KD couldn't stop him, Draymond couldn't stop him. They were switching so much, and Steph ended up on LeBron Every you know, every pretty much every single play of mm-hmm. the last three minutes and they of that want, game, and the Warriors don't want that. Well, clearly not. Yeah. Why would you want the mismatch of just height and weight yeah, right there, and then also time, the fact that Le- Steph can't guard LeBron because he's quicker, faster, better, and stronger than Steph is at least defensively, offensively. But that's the crazy thing is LeBron wasn't using the size to his advantage. Mm-hmm. He wasn't backing him down over and over. It was more so him trying to beat him and create shots. And mm-hmm. like you said, well, Steph is well, quick and enough I think to stick with somebody. one thing that somebody said. He's he's quick enough, but also I mean. LeBron, if he puts his you know butt into Steph Curry, he's going to be able to back right. him down. He uses his size, but mm-hmm. he wasn't. It didn't look like he was doing everything. He no, could've. he wasn't. I, I forgot who I was listening to earlier today, but it looked like LeBron James was afraid to shoot free, free throws because yes. again, like. We, we know the struggles LeBron has had throughout his career. Again, he was great last night from the line. I think he was 11 from 12. Uh, but I think one thing is just he, he looked afraid. He looked timid to drive on Steph Curry. Um, but he still could have taken Curry. And he, he still mm-hmm. could have shot it, shot it over him. I mean, again, Steph, even if he's you know quick, I, well, I still, I'm still taking LeBron James offensively to defensively. But the one thing I want to bring up is... Would Golden State is Golden State going to change their game plan when Iggy comes back to make sure that Steph isn't switched on to Bron? Because that was the biggest thing. It wasn't really you know the matchups that Bron had, but it was just the fact that they kept switching to Steph. Is that going to change, Dave? Do you think that's going to be something that Golden State goes in, or is it just going to keep switching and keep their defense the same? I mean, so they're going to keep switching. I don't think that's that's their defensive plan. But because they're going to keep switching, I think you're still going to see more matchups of Iguodala and LeBron than Steph. It's it's not switching just to switch. It's switching with purpose, and that's mm-hmm. the thing to keep in mind when you have someone like Iguodala, who you know, obviously we've seen this matchup mm-hmm. enough times because it's been a rematch the last three years. But like you see this happen, and w- remember, I know it's way back now, but when he Iggy hurt his back in mm-hmm. that fi- in that final series, that was the and one how much the that changed won. the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that you have Iggy. I know he's a couple years older now, but if you have him coming back and well rested now, there there's a very serious chance that he can be a huge defensive contributor. Because he doesn't need to do it on the offensive mm-hmm. end. He just needs to focus completely on the defensive end, making sure those switches well, he clamps down and, on LeBron. And, one, one, and the thing I want to bring up is, because I wanted to jump in on going mm-hmm. back to like the Steph-LeBron thing. Yeah. To me, and I think this will piss off Sean a little bit. I'm not trying to, but I think it will. The biggest moment of the game for me was 7.7 seconds left in the game. You've got LeBron top of the key, guarded by who? Steph Curry. Mm -hmm. Now, yeah, looking at, like, when I looked at it full speed, my first thing is, and of course I was kind of goat debate, kind of debate in with that, but my whole thing was just with LeBron. I'm like, why are you, 7.7 seconds left, you're down by one, why are you not trying to create, get the final shot? Why are you standing there with the ball out like this, where to me, if I'm Steph Curry, as soon as LeBron put that ball, I'm like, okay, he's getting ready to drive. Then he's just standing there, and I'm like, "Why are you looking to pass? You're LeBron James. You should be." That's what LeBron you, James but, does. But what I'm I mean, saying is, at that <laughs> moment, best player in the world, put the team on your back, win the game for your team. However, looking back after mm-hmm. when I looked at the replay, the good thing that the Warriors did defensively that I didn't see when it was going full speed mm-hmm. was you had George Hill and Jr. on the wings to the side. That means Durant and Draymond were right at the elbow. So it's like, you know what? 
I'm going to drive, and if I do drive, I'm going to have to kick it out to a shooter. I would have preferred that over what we saw with LeBron just trying to So you didn't find like the pass. fact that he passed it to an open George Hill who got fouled and then went to the line for two when George Hill, I think, career is above an 80% free throw shooter. You didn't like the fact that he was giving George Hill two free, th- free throws when they needed two points to win the game. The free throws, we didn't know that that was think... going to happen. Like, that wasn't like LeBron a, oh, was setting sure it up. Do there. Le- LeBron I... saw the contact that was happening. All... George Hill had the cut on him. It wasn't like it was It was a, a bad play. It was clear what happened. All LeBron I'm James saying... fired a bullet because he saw the contact that was being mm-hmm. created by George Hill. So that's why the pass happened. And, and the thing with, with LeBron is that was a smart play because you're sending George Hill to mm-hmm. line. Yes, maybe LeBron doesn't have that alpha male in him, but if you win game one, it doesn't matter who hits the game-winning shots. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how you win. If you escape Golden State with a, a, a victory in Oakland in game one, it doesn't matter how you win. It doesn't matter if you're the alpha dog. It doesn't matter how it's going to affect the GOAT debate because mm-hmm. that's going to help you win a championship, which is going to help you more uh, about, for the GOAT debate instead of hitting the shot well, over over Steph Curry and or driving even- and then I'm not even bringing in the goat debate. I'm just saying. Well, I'm just saying. Like, what's the point of shot, this? I the want, fact they like, didn't take the final shot. Yeah, is I that want, what you're saying? Not even just the final shot. I wanted to see more of an absurd of LeBron of like, all right, I am going to so either him firing a 90 yeah, mile per well, hour fastball to George Hill isn't assertive enough. No, I wanted to see him drive in, either cause contact, go to the line, or so you just wanted way, LeBron to do it. No, no, no. Find a way to he drives. Clay then comes in. I want Kyle Korver in the corner taking that shot over anyone else on this team besides okay, LeBron. So why would you but why would you take a lower percentage shot? Why would you take a 37 percent shot mm-hmm. from Kyle Korver in the corner when you have two 80 percent shots in George Hill at the line? It makes absolutely no sense what you're saying. Because what I'm saying It makes saying, no, no sense no, no. about what, what you're saying, saying is for winning the basketball when game. LeBron, it doesn't matter. When LeBron's at the top of the key and his hands out like this, mm-hmm. you're telling me LeBron James told the future and like we're gonna go to the line for two shots. He saw the contact. It was clear what was happening. No. George Hill had the cut the going point, to the bucket, the and point, he had the lead on him. So either the pass was going to hit George Hill, and George Hill was going to get fouled the from point behind I am going up with the shot. Before or, the on. cut even happens, when he's everyone's setting just up the standing play. there, and he's just standing there with so the you ball want, on his So you hand. want him to drive with 7.7 seconds left? Not exactly 7.7, but he's I want to see LeBron put the team on his back, and I'm going to take the final shot because I am this team. We talk about it all the time where it's like LeBron's so, the so, team. Put so the team again, on your the question back. that I was asking, you yeah. just wasted three minutes on this this podcast, was the fact that you wanted LeBron to take the final shot. Yes, okay. I did. In that All moment, right. game on the line, I'm putting it on you because you don't have Kyrie okay. to take it. It doesn't, again, what the point I'm trying to make is, and you're not coming back with an argument or coming back because it's stupid. If LeBron wins the game, you're looking back at a 40-plus point per- performance, mm-hmm. a 50% shot, uh, shot from LeBron James, mm-hmm. an all-time you know, a uh, great performance in that game and mm-hmm. a win in Oakland in game one. And we're talking about a completely different series than what we're talking about right now. If you win the game, that's all that matters. It doesn't matter who's hit the shot because when we look back, LeBron got a w- ring for Cleveland. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter that, that Kyrie hit the shot. Now, I do want to bring up, uh, again, uh, Steve Kerr said that Iguodala is going to be doubtful for game two, so he's most likely not going to play in game two, but he's going to come back at some point. And, and we're talking about can they win the series. It doesn't matter who's, who's hitting the shots, but it matters if they're going to be able to win the series. Dave, where what, what do you think is going to be the most important game? Is it just winning at home for Cleveland? Is it going to be winning game two in Oakland? Where, where do you think the most decisive games are going to be happening down the next stretch? Is it going to be the next game? Is it going to be the games in Cleveland? Where do you see this series kind of unfolding and taking the next steps? 
I think right now they have to be entirely focused on game two. There's any chance that they can get to win in Oakland early in this series, the better chance you'll have. Because if they don't win in Oakland, uh, you have to defend home court 100%. Because if you, it turns into like back-to-back. It's like, okay, the next game up is always the most important game, period. I know what you're saying, like, pick a game. But to be honest, when it comes down to it, if they don't win game two, you have to win home court and you still have to win a game in Oakland. And now mm-hmm. you're looking at it going... All right, do we have the momentum with us? Are we gonna if we falter at home, now we're completely screwed. Like you have to be all in towards the next game. And knowing that you now saw the flaws in Golden State, knowing that you're like, look, if we're one stupid mistake, one missed call, one bad call away from taking this as a advantage us going home, let's do it. We got this in the bag. We can do this. Well, like, Ricky- it should be a huge momentum for them, even though they lost, they still have a huge pot a pile of positives to take away knowing we didn't shoot our best. But we still had a shot. We still had all these opportunities to win this game. And Ricky, one thing that I want to build off what Dave said mm-hmm. is, you know, obviously you got to protect, protect home court, and you don't want you want to win a game as early in Oakland as you possibly can. Well, let's look at that Boston series. It pretty much happened that way. They lost two in Boston, defended home court, were undefeated there, and then had to win in Boston in Game Seven. Mm-hmm. Can that happen for Cleveland, or do they have to get a win early? Or can they take it, you know, maybe going back to the 2015 finals when Cleveland ended up getting the ring, winning in Game 7 mm-hmm. in Oakland. Can they take that route, or is it necessary that they win either Game 2 or Game, I think it's 5, uh, in, I know in, in, in Golden State? You never want to say, like, oh, that Game 2 is a must-win game, but much like the Houston Rockets when we were talking about them down 0-1, mm-hmm. this is a must-win for Cleveland. If Cleveland loses Game 2, series is over, goodbye, Thanks for coming to the finals. And the reason why I say that is going off of what Dave said. Not only what happened in this game and how demoralized and deflated this Cavs team is, Mm -hmm. I also look at it and I go, did this team give everything that they got in game one to try to steal one? And they just will never get back to that level. Not, I'm not saying talent level. I'm saying like we (laughs) gave all of our energy to try to win this one and then we lost. Take that on top of how demoralizing it is. Will they even be able to replicate that in a game in Oakland? Well, let's say game two is just close. Mm -hmm. Does that make it a little more easier? Because, hey, now we've played two close games in Oakland. We didn't win it. We should have won game one. And game two was at least close. It's not like last year where there were like Mm 20-point game blowouts. If it's close in game two, does that make it a little bit easier? Because hey, now we get to go. No. Now we get to go to Cleveland, where we're going to have home court, and mm-hmm. it's just really home court that's deciding these games. I would say no, and the only reason why I would say no is with Boston. The big difference between that and Boston, because I know you're trying to do with the whole like, oh, we lost in Boston, we mm-hmm. defended home court. I thought that if we get to a game seven, if we do, this Warriors team is not going to do what the Celtics did. They are way too. They are much more experienced. They are much better than what the Celtics were. The Celtics were very young and experienced, and we saw that in Game Seven. But Dave, yeah. one thing I want to bring up is let's look at the uh, Rockets Golden State Game Seven, where Golden State needed Houston to miss twenty seven straight threes to win that game. And let's look at at least you know back in twenty fifteen when the Warriors lost Game Seven. Uh, at home where LeBron had the triple-double. I mean, it, it looks like they can be beaten now. I mean, obviously it was a different team back in 2015 when, you know, Katie wasn't on the team. But right. um, do you think that, you know, there's there's enough there where, 
again, maybe if they do go to a Game 7, LeBron does have the ability to pull this out. Because, I mean, we almost saw that in Game 1. No, I, I think LeBron creates a, a fighter's chance in every game he's in. There's no way you can count out LeBron James. It's It sounds ridiculous to say because you'll get four All-Stars versus one and a half because I don't know if Kevin Love will be healthy throughout the entire series. Mm-hmm. Um, well, we also can't say that Golden State's going to be entirely healthy either. Well, that, that's the thing, too. I mean, we've seen Clay Thompson obviously miss some time this game uh, from a collision, but, like, mm-hmm. I honestly think there's no way to count out. The one thing that Ricky mentioned about blowouts, like, that's the thing. We watched Houston get punched in the mouth. Mm-hmm. Like, game three was 126-85. Like, it wasn't even close. And to be fair, even game one, they pulled ahead huge third quarter, fourth quarter. It, it kept the distance. These games, as long as they can keep these games close, there, there's always a chance LeBron James can bring your team back into it because as crazy as the uh, fast break offense is, as crazy as the third quarter uh, shooting can get, like LeBron James has the calm, has the cool, has the mm-hmm. experience to lead a bunch of guys out there. And as long as Ty Lue puts the right guys in, what I get pissed is when he puts out bad lineups. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But as long as he puts in good shooting lineups, LeBron well, can court I mean, general them back into a game. The only thing I worry about is not the thing that you said where, yeah, if we keep it close, LeBron can maybe push us over the edge. To me, going back to what Sean said, does it matter if, oh, we lost game two, but it was close? I would say no, because in the end, you lost the game, and I wonder if if you're expending as much energy as you did in game one to lose close, then you're down 2-0, then you're down 3-0. When does that on this team, not LeBron, the entire team, take its toll, and the rest of the team besides LeBron but goes, we can't do hasn't it. Hasn't Golden State given the same amount of energy? I mean, you had a, you had a fight without Clay for, for pretty much, the, I think, the rest of the first quarter until he came back mm-hmm. in the second quarter. You still had to play the same amount of minutes that the, the Cleveland Cavaliers did. You still had to fight back being down at halftime. You had to still fight back even down late in the fourth quarter. And oh. yes, o- OT looked like a breeze for Golden State, but I mean, they the still expended the same amount of energy and just played a seven-game series. From watching the game, it looked like the Cavaliers had a different gear and were, I don't want to say giving it more, but because they were the underdog coming in, because the cards are stacked against them, it felt like they were working harder and had the, like the Warriors, I, maybe it's just their team. Like they said in the Rocket series, yeah, we're down 11, whatever, that's two minutes for us. Like they always seem like, a, oh, we're down by this much, doesn't matter, we're going to mm-hmm. write the ship, calm, cool, collect, where the Cavs team felt like, they were working so hard just to win the game, and then when shit hits the fan, we get the JR incident. Now, I, w- I want to say a couple of things here, because one, I don't think that any player in the finals is working less hard than another. Mm-hmm. I think they're all giving it everything they can. Mm-hmm. I think the sense of urgency is what you're seeing, and the, the I don't, not panic is the word, but like everybody's trying as hard as yeah. they can. But I think it's the difference like is going the out floor and ceiling of the Warriors' mm-hmm. performance versus the floor and ceiling of the Cavs to win a game is very different. The Cavs need to perform at like you know ninety to hundred percent of what they can put out there. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, the Warriors, eighty on on a good night can mm-hmm. get them a win because they have so much talent and so many guys can deliver. The for Cavaliers them. one hundred could be like seventy five percent. This is something I want to I want to stop and then, you know, we're, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this out there and then yeah. we're gonna talk about what each team needs to do to mm-hmm. to, to win this series. Sure. Um, based on a, a, especially what we saw in Game One. 
I understand what you're saying that the Cavs, it looked like the Cavs played their best game and it looks like Golden State, you know, weren't even at their best pretty much. It, it didn't look like Golden State was firing at 100% mm-hmm. and they still won this game and it looks like the Cavs were giving it their all like Ricky was alluding to where, you know, and, and they didn't even win this game. Like the Cavs gave as much as they did and, you know, Golden State, you know, didn't even try that much and they still won the game. I still feel like the, the word Cavs, try is wrong. The, I'm sorry. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like the Cavs, the Cavs, like, again, the Cavs didn't play their best basketball, and the Warriors didn't play their best, is, yep. is, is what we're trying to allude to. But I, I disagree with that, because uh, as Banana Shamrock, a great name on Reddit, uh, pointed out, this is the first time in over four months, January 25th, that Clay, uh, Curry, and Durant all scored 24-plus points. The Cavs, as a team, took 20 wide-open three-pointers, defenders six-plus uh, feet away, and made just six of them. It's only 30%. The Cavs' three best three-point shooters, Corver, JR, and Love, combined from four of 17 from three, 23%. That's obviously going to change throughout this series. The Warriors' non-All-Star cast, everyone but Clay, Dre, uh, Curry, KD, went 14 of 20. I mean, again, remember the JaVale mm-hmm. McGee to start the uh, the, the third quarter. Um, he went off. Uh so I mean that's not going to happen. There's no way that you're going to see that performance again, seventy percent from the from Maybe the, the cast around it. I mean, is Javale McGee going to have the same quarter that he did start the third quarter? No. Um, the guy got rejected by the rim with no one around him. Yeah. Uh, and then the Cavs supporting cats, everybody but Le- uh, Love and LeBron went sixteen of forty-seven from the field, thirty-four percent, which is garbage. I mean, that's that's horrible right there. And we saw Tristan Thompson miss a couple mm-hmm. easy ones. Uh, yep. Jeff Green wasn't wasn't that great last last night. So again, like. Looking at the numbers and, and even on the mm-hmm. floor, it looked like the Cavs were trying harder. It looks like the Cavs were at, well, at least the at sense least of urgency. The, was the more. urgency was more, but again, they didn't play that great of basketball. Mm-hmm. So maybe when they do go to Cleveland, the pressure's off a little bit and they can relax. We saw that in the Boston series. That's what I'm alluding to. So looking at what happened in Game One, mm-hmm. what do the Cavs need to do for the rest of the games to win this series? What, what changes do they need to make? in their game plan from mm-hmm. game one to the rest of the series. I'm not going to go real... And obviously it's going to change game from yeah, game, but at I'm least I'm not going to go in depth of anything. It, mine is simple. Defend home court, hoping you get a Jeff Green game for one of the games in Oakland, because that's the only way I see the Cavaliers winning this. If they defend their home court like they did against Boston, because we have seen now for eight games, the story has been the same. The Cavalier role players don't play that well. I'm not saying everyone didn't play well yesterday, but like you said, some of the numbers were not as good as they could have been. Don't play well on the road. Play a lot better at home, except for that Game 7 where we had the Jeff Green performance. They need a performance like that in Oakland while defending home court. That's plain and simple. Either for the Cavs or Warriors, what what do these teams need to do to really put on the pressure and make sure they win the series, Dave? Yeah, we're going to need some more hot sauce out of Kyle. I'll be honest, like he's one of the guys who I love to watch out there, but at the same time, I know because of matchups, Ty Lue doesn't keep him in the game long enough. Even if he's having a good night, like last night he was only one of three, mm-hmm. still a plus 10 on the floor. Like, I get it. It's it's the crew you're out there with, and it's mm-hmm. the situation. But still, he's someone who you want to keep engaged in the game. He's someone who, if you get him started hot early, you keep rolling with him. He takes minutes away from other guys because he keeps you in at the same pace as the Warriors. He can mm-hmm. knock down threes just as easily as they can. But is his defense a liability because he's not the best <clears throat> defensive player? It and against the Warriors. It depends on the matchup on the Warriors because if you're going out there with someone where you can hide him on Draymond Green mm-hmm. on the outside, if he's if Draymond's playing outside by the three point line, I was like shocked he, was he hit that three in overtime. He had a couple he's of, missed he, so he many, two big ones. Yeah, <laughs> but he's missed so many of these right. playoffs. And that's the thing. He, he was two out of five from the three uh, yeah. from behind the arc. So like, yes, you can hide his defense to some extent. He still tries. Mm-hmm. It's just so like his body, he can't you know take the pounding. So. 
I, I think you need more out of him. And like you said, a, a green game away would be amazing because we talk about... The most about, inconsistent player in the NBA. That's, that's his name. <laughs> he's up, he's down, he's all over the place. When he's on, he's on, though. Um, for the Warriors side, honestly, you just need to keep consistently shooting. Like, keep the pace up, keep them running. That's how you win games. You tire out LeBron James. If you keep the pace of play mm-hmm. at such a high and quick rate, there's no way with all the switching, all the movement, all the passing... They just can't well, keep up. And that's the biggest thing for me. If Golden State starts, you know, grabbing more defensive boards and they're able to push that pace, like you said, there's no way Cleveland comes back in this one. And I think that's going to happen. I, I maybe, again, maybe Cleveland's able to push it to six or seven because they do have some momentum. But if D- Golden State's at least able to shrink that rebounding uh, difference and at least, you know, take away more shots from Cleveland, it's yeah. going to be a completely different series because that pace is going to be pushed. And we saw even, uh, there was a ton of times so there was just three-on-one fast breaks where Cleveland had one guy back and they weren't able to really, you know, get anyone coming back on back side pressure it was just consistent ball moving bang 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 and they were you know getting easy shots so that's the biggest thing for for golden state if they're able to do that this series is going to be a runaway but if they're not able to do that cleveland still dominates the boards first off cleveland needs to get in their sets quicker and there's there's so many times where lebron james is just you know pretty much iso just staring down his guy trying to make a move and they start striving and you know he ends up hitting the shot or at least drawing contact and going to the rim mm-hmm. but there's so many times where again if if you're ha- going up against an Iguodala, if you're going up against a durant most of the time, or you know, for most of the time, they're going to make you take a d- difficult shot, and not all of those are going to sink in. So they need to get in their sets quicker. They need to start running more plays for Jr. They need to start running more plays for Kyle Korver. They need to start running more plays for K Love. And even if it ends up in a LeBron basket, you need to start throwing sets at Golden State and at least make them run around the court instead of just simple switches. Let's get the uh, you know the worst guy like uh, I think David West was on yeah. uh, Bron for 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 one play. Get a Pat McCall. Get a Steph on, on LeBron. You need to get into more sets. I think that's the biggest thing. And then also. Quit passing Jordan Clarkson the ball and get him out of the lineup. Put in Rodney Hood. Put in CD. I don't care. Jordan Clarkson CD? cannot well, be in Rodney this. Rodney Hood might he might not want to play. He might say, no, coach, I'm good. I don't want to go. I, I don't care. Put him in. <laughs> Force him in because Jordan Clarkson can't be on there. Jordan Clarkson was so bad last night. He's been so bad through the, the past couple games of the playoffs. Get him out of there. Let me see more Larry Nance. Let me see more CD Osman. Jordan Clarkson has been absolutely horrible. Just absolutely garbage. You need to get him off the floor because, again, he's not a plus defender and he's not a plus you know, offensive player at all. He's not hitting his shots. He's not passing the ball. The ball stalls in his hands. And maybe that's some part of, of not running sets, which yeah. I alluded to a little bit earlier, but just Jordan Clarkson looks lost out there and you need him off the floor. Even more lost than JR with uh, 4.1 seconds left grabbing an offensive board. But uh, would have been completely different if we, if that ball goes up and, and, and mm-hmm. you know, we would never we know what happens. Even if he misses it and, and it goes to OT, mm-hmm. we never know what happened in that OT. But uh, absolutely crazy ending to game one. Let us know what you think. Camera went off. Let us know what you think. Uh, your thoughts of game one and if Cleveland still has a shot in this series. But let's move into the next topic. We're talking about the saga and the ongoing uh, developing saga with Brian Colangelo, the current president of basketball operations for the Philadelphia 76ers. The Ringer put out an article that they got an anonymous tip saying that uh, Brian Colangelo was the owner of five Twitter accounts that was bashing Joel Embiid, bashing former players like Nerlens Noel, Jaleel Okafor, also bashing Markel Fultz. Also apparently laid out the uh, trade details for the Fultz Boston swap that happened in the 2017 NBA draft. Also, I believe there was a lot of uh, pushing towards the national media and the Philadelphia media, calling out Ja, calling out mm-hmm. Embiid, calling out Fultz. So this is a crazy thing that's going on. We've also heard more developments where the Philadelphia 76ers are now investigating this internally with a New York law firm. Uh, we also have seen people do internet sleuths uh, where they have tried to hack into the Colangelo accounts and saw the phone numbers that were attached to these accounts. The one that Colangelo admitted that he was using ended in a 7-5 number, which was Colangelo's number. And now three of the other 
five. Uh, so I think one of them has not had the, the, the number pop up, but three of the other ones um, have popped up with a 9-1 number at the end, which apparently is the same 9-1 that uh, has Brian Colangelo's wife uh, ending of, of the same phone number. So, so far we've heard that there should be an announcement at, by the end of Friday. It is the end of Friday. We have heard <laughs> nothing yet. Um, so we are going with the assumption, though, that this has happened so quickly, that this <laughs> is developing so quickly, that Brian Colangelo is getting fired. First off, what is your reaction to this whole thing, Ricky? What, what are you well, thinking? What are your thoughts about this in Philly and Brian Colangelo? When the Ringer article first came out, I didn't want to be like, oh, they're lying. But my first thought was like, this can't be true. Like mm-hmm. what? It was more of like, this can't be true. What GM would do that? It would be like if I created an account and then went on to our videos bashing you guys. Or like if you guys did that to one of us. That's what this <coughs> is. And like. Joel Embiid, he tweets out like, oh, a funny thing. Like, oh, Sam Hinkie's a better GM than you. Burner account. And then does the, yeah, I don't believe it. But, like, now that all this comes out, my whole thing is it it made me think of a line that my mom used to say where it's like loose lips sink ships. And that's what this is, where even if it's the his wife burner account, Mm -hmm. that means to me it sounds like you're going home, you're telling her – you like in both of you have the loose lips to where now you're going to go out and bash, even if you're telling her all this information. What if you weren't supposed to tell her that information? For me, I think it's a bonehead move by Colangelo, and it's probably going to cost him his job. I think uh, a couple of things come to mind when I <clears throat> first read this article was A, I was really impressed. It was actually a really well written article, mm-hmm. like top to bottom. They hit him hard. Like Ricky said, like my first sight of it was like, this can't be real. As soon as I read it, I was like, holy shit, this is legitimate. Like, this mm-hmm. is top to bottom. They've done their homework. Super well-written, super in-depth, and honestly, like, got me laughing because Ricky says, oh, no, it's ridiculous to think that he did this. And I'm like, I guarantee you there are other GMs, there are other people in ownership who have accounts out there. Well, we obviously saw the KD stuff, too. Top public. Yeah, I, I think everybody wants to have their own opinion heard on things, and there's a lot of things you can't say with your own name attached to it. Mm-hmm. In the past, it was like, You'd have a middleman to go talk to a reporter, you know, behind closed doors somewhere to leak a story from the from the clubhouse, the mm-hmm. locker room. Like, this is nothing new. This is just new technology being used for it. Well, and it's funny, too, that uh, even after this story <coughs> came out, there was one post on r slash NBA on Reddit that's saying that there was suspicion of a Hassan Whiteside burner account that mm-hmm. was public that went to private. And it's funny because the uh, profile picture is Hassan Whiteside with a kid, but someone photoshopped the head of the kid to be Joel Embiid. Indeed. So oh, it was man. pretty great. Um, and we saw that go to private. And one thing, too, um, as well, and Ben Dietrich, shout out from him from The Ringer. He's the one that wrote this article. Yeah. He also said that the five accounts that were pinpointed were uh, at Phila123456, also at LVIC. 40, 11, 75, 60. Also at Honesta, 34, 19, 7, uh, 71, 18. Also at <coughs> Unknown Soul, which was the one that uh, Colangelo confirmed that he was using, was at mm-hmm. Unknown Soul. And then also still balling at, 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 uh, at S underscore Bon Hams. Um, and the thing was that three of those accounts went to private after Colangelo was questioned mm-hmm. and, and pushed about on. two other accounts, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so he was. <clears throat> I think he was pushed about on, on two accounts. And then and the then other three went private. The other yeah. three went private. Or, or it's yeah. one of that yeah. happened. I think. You got it. Yeah. Well, no, I don't, I don't know if it's the three other ones happened, but three of the accounts did go private. Yeah. I, I don't know if yeah. all of them did go private. But uh, uh, the point is, is that 
it looks like the the the, the efforts are going against Colangelo, mm-hmm. and that Colangelo will be fired. Uh, hence, the reason why this uh, this uh, segment is titled. What happens with the 76ers after Colangelo is fired? So, Ricky, I'm going to throw it to you. Okay. What happens to Philadelphia after Colangelo is fired? What are the next moves? How do they make up for this kind of mess mm-hmm. that's happening? Well, my next move. Well, my next move and what I think they'll do kind of coincide together is I think that Dave Griffin is the best guy to be the next GM of the 76ers. You can bring him in, and he's a well-known GM. Did great work in Cleveland. Helped him win a championship. Then you also have the side of why I think they should do it and why I would do it. Your biggest goal this offseason is to bag LeBron James. How do you bag LeBron James and get him in a Philly uniform? You hire his former GM, make him feel comfortable. Well, and Dave, before we go into the LeBron James, David Griffin Griffin uh, rabbit hole, I do want to bring up that uh, also Colangelo was bashing uh, former, uh, no, current uh, Raptors president, Masayuri, where Colangelo was the former GM. Yeah. And then also he was bashing former uh, Sixers GM, Sam Hinkie. And I know you love, I know you love Hinkie. I know you love what Trust the Process. What do you think, though? How, how does this look for the league? Because obviously this is horrible. Yeah. Silver's pissed off that this is taking away from the finals. And obviously we see the whole thing where Hinky was forced out. They brought in Colangelo while Hinky was still the GM. And then they push Hinky out right away once the season's over and Colangelo takes a spot. So how does this look for the league where the owners were pushing for Hinky out and now they push a guy in Colangelo who is now getting fired for toxic uh, at least behavior on Twitter. Yeah, no, I think it's uh, honestly a little, a little bit of smudge on them. It's, it's, it's uh, staying honestly on their nice like thing. They just had one of the best seasons ever. One of the most like viewership up, sales up, merch up. Everything's looking positive. They're taking on the world now with their uh, game. And honestly, like it comes back to, all right, the guy I picked, like handpicked, was Colangelo. Like he comes from a great family. He comes from. Highly respected. He's one of the smartest guys in the league, period. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't take that away from him. Yes, he acted unprofessionally in this case. And yes, it's now costing him his job, you a little bit of your reputation. And this franchise, which was going to be the budding franchise of the future mm-hmm. East, now has a giant question mark because, you know, A, how do you trust an organization that allowed this to go on? Mm-hmm. And B, like, how do you recover from this? How do you set back? They're lucky to have a face of the franchise in Joel Embiid who is so outspoken who then can draw, he's still going to pull people in there. Mm -hmm. People still want to play with Joel Embiid. So I think that getting another GM in won't be a problem. Getting someone who attracts other superstars doesn't even need to happen. You go get the guy who is the best fit for the role because the guys who are going to recruit are on the court. And the quick thing I just want to add is Mm -hmm. it almost makes me think like from a league standpoint, Mm -hmm. just don't get your hands involved. Like the whole hinky like, Hinky, that now it's looking like don't get rid of Hinky, <coughs> don't like force him out to force your guy in because it also brings up. I know this <clears> is different where I don't think Adam Silver is like this. I know David Stern was. It's almost like the CP3 trade where it's like, oh no, not going to LA. Oh, oh wait, you are going to LA. You're going to the Clippers. Whereas this one's more like a, oh, we want Hinky out because he's ruining the game and tanking and trust the process. And then this happens to the guy you bring in that's supposed to be your golden boy. Well, and our boy, Jake, uh, he tweeted out, uh, Real GM tweeted out, sources expect Brian Colangelo to lose his job uh, with the 76ers mm-hmm. uh, yesterday. Uh, that's what they, the Real GM tweeted. And then Jake commented, yes. So why <laughs> should Sixers fans 
weirdly enough, be excited <laughs> that Colangelo's fired? Is it because they can put themselves in a situation where LeBron can, can come to Philly? Because I know that's what you want to talk about. Mm-hmm. Or do you think it should be looked at as a negative thing? Because, again, we see the NBA forcing out Hinky. Play, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know where the fans love Hinky, what, what he's done for Philadelphia, and then he gets uprooted and, and taken away from his his baby, his process. Um, obviously, that looks like a negative. And, and now, you know, the guy that took over his job, Colangelo, getting kicked out. Um, how, how does this help them get LeBron James, or do you think it hurts them with, with the whole Colangelo Depends situation? Depends on who. Like, there's only one way this helps them get LeBron James. That's if they hire Dave Griffin. Mm-hmm. Like I told you guys before we recorded today. I feel like this is the perfect opportunity that they get to, all right, we can fire Colangelo and we can bring in David Griffin. Because to me, the big thing is the two things that I'm – one thing I'm hearing from everywhere that they talk about LeBron is that he's said that he wants to play more off-ball next year. Well, in Philly, you can play off-ball because Ben Simmons will be your point forward. But if you bring in a GM like David Griffin, Mm -hmm. that's just like – Right now, LeBron is dealing with a, like he said with with Rachel Nichols, a working relationship with Dan Gilbert. This would be a much more comfortable relationship. This would put LeBron in a way better mood mm-hmm. and a way better mindset if a part of the 76ers. Dave, one thing we did see, though, when, when LeBron did leave Cleveland, that he didn't go to a familiar situation. He didn't work with Pat Riley before. He didn't work with Spolster mm-hmm. before. And obviously that didn't work out right away. Well, it was his As body. obviously the Spolster. Yeah, it was, it yeah. was the, the players on the court that you mentioned. Right. So even if they don't bring in Griffin, do you think it's enough for Philly to still bring in LeBron James, even with the current ongoings that just happened with Brian Colangelo? Yeah, I think it would be. I, I honestly think it would be huge for them to do. I don't know that it would be the biggest problem in the world. One of the things to... Even think back is David Griffin. I mean, when he initially was there, he was pretty much set up with the like, I'm in for the rebuild. We're gonna have mm-hmm. a young team. He's the one who brought in David Blatt. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who LeBron literally kicked out after having a mm-hmm. winning season and then being midway through this. Yeah, season, midway yeah. through a winning season again. So I, I, I don't think it's gonna be a problem. I really See, don't. But that's like that issue isn't a problem because <laughs> unless you feel like the new GM would fire Brett Brown. Well, they, they just well, signed they just him to a two-year contract. So the day so this came out, they, they re-upped him yeah. until 2021. I mean, they can burn money, I guess. Mm-hmm. It just would be really uncharacteristic. So I don't know that... That's the one question. Is like mm-hmm. Brett Brown being attractive head coach for I think, him? Maybe. Well, and for the 76ers, I'm going back to before I get into yeah. this next point. If they hire David Griffin, I feel like that just can only help them in the LeBron sweepstakes. Yeah. Yeah, but for me... If, let's say, the series that we're watching the finals goes like we think it's going to go, to me there's two choices. He either goes to Houston or either goes to Philly. And if the news of him winding What do you mean play, goes the way it goes? Like the Warriors win in four or five. Okay. Like many of us feel like that will happen. I know you said in our first segment six, but even if it is a Warrior win, he's going to Houston or he's going to Philly. And if the things that everyone's saying, I know Chris Bussard's one of them, where it's like, oh, he wants to play more off ball next year. Well, How much do we trust? I'm just Bussard. saying, I'm just saying. I know, I'm just throwing Which place is he going to have more of a chance to play off ball. Philly compared to Houston. Houston. And I'm only saying that because CP3's injury history. Houston, though. If James you still Harden have James Harden. Harden. James Harden. No, I know that. But the man likes to dribble. He, he was his leader last he, two years ago. He won't be, f- like, in Houston, he's going to have to handle the ball more so than he may want to. I'm not saying it's I a— I disagree with I'm that. Not, 
I'm not saying it would go against him, but I'm saying <coughs> Philly might be the better choice if that's I, really what he wants. I disagree with that. I you think have it's... two point guards out on the floor in CP3 and James mm-hmm. Harden, where even even if you do have Ben Simmons out there, you have Ben Simmons, but mm-hmm. he's worse than Chris Paul and James Harden. Sorry, I know you had him in your top 10, but I feel that, weirdly enough, Ben, ben Simmons is worse than James Harden and Chris Paul. Um, and, and also, even then, you look at, even if Chris Paul's injured, you still have a guy that James Harden, or sorry, LeBron James, does like in Chris Paul, one of his buddies, and also you still have James Harden to fall back on. What's the fallback plan if Ben Simmons gets injured? We've seen him get injured before. We've seen Joel Embiid get injured before. I think it might be safer for, at least if he does want to play off-ball, I think it might be safer if he does go to Houston because, again, we saw that Houston had great success against Golden State, one of the only teams to take this team to Mm -hmm. seven games, and now you're adding LeBron James, who just scored 51 points on this team, and he can do that off-ball. So oh, I, I'm not I think especially that... with, with what just happened with mm-hmm. Brian Colangelo, that stink that's happening, and this team possibly being too young, I think this move and, and, and what Colangelo's done might shift the needle towards CP3, James Harden, and Houston. Dave, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree. I think the team outlook really fits well for Houston. For Philly, I think that it's almost like a lie to himself. He says he wants to play off Bob. Well, guess what? Like you said, Ben Simmons is their only point guard. Markel Fultz is still a question mark. Who knows what's going to happen mm-hmm. if, you know, signing LeBron turns into a sacrifice the future trade Fultz and something for Kawhi, you know, pull out all the stops. Mm-hmm. And but- your backup's TJ. Exactly. Even though we love him, I mean, is that the quality of a, a, a facilitator <clears throat> to help LeBron James play off yeah, ball? Yeah, no. So that, that's the thing. LeBron will never be a, a, an outside, like, spot-up three-point shooter. That's just not who he is. He dominates through ball in his hands. Yes, he could play secondary, second fiddle to someone, but I don't, I don't think that he'll truly ever get to that point. I think the Houston match fits mm-hmm. really well, and— well, Go ahead. No, you finish yours. I was going to... And for the after. 76ers, it, don't say well then. Uh, for the 76ers, it comes down to, like, even fit for me. Like, this is a team that, yes, they they gutted out their team, and they're literally mid-season pickups, saved them in a playoff run between Bellinelli and... Ursan. Um, Ursan Ilyasova. Like, those are two guys they got for nothing in mid-season. If they can get contract-friendly between those two and uh, J.J. Redick, yes, then you have another team. But like uh, Sean said... Joel Embiid's injury history says mm-hmm. I shouldn't trust that team. So I, I'm still leaning towards the Rockets. Well, the three, well, the three, the the three thing that I was just going to say is I don't want to get anything twisted. I think that the Rockets are, to me, LeBrockets will probably happen. But, I mean, Jesus, the no. thing is. So that's even if they hire Griffin. Yeah. Well, I think that the Griffin hire can only help them. Yeah, so I'm saying. Yeah. So yeah. Even, even with the Griffin it, help. But if, oh, yeah, I, over the if I was putting my money on it, I would say the Rockets because the Rockets came these close to beating the Warriors. Mm-hmm. Well, I, and I think one thing I was just going to add on and with is LeBron, even, they would. You look at their three, their three future guys in, mm-hmm. in Philadelphia: Ben Simmons hurt his first year, Joel Embiid has been hurt for his first two years and has been hurt, you know, in, in the two years he but has I mean, played, and question, even Markel Fultz as well, where he's been injured as well. So you, you have don't that know question who's going to be on the with floor. the Rockets as well, but it's only one with CP3. But also CP3 is his buddy. Yeah, like I CP3, know. and yeah. I understand that Ben Simmons comes from the same agency, but it's yeah. different where LeBron and CP3 has, have made that bond. Mm-hmm. Yes, CP3 might not be on the floor, but he also is playing with one of his buds like yeah. and CP3. Part two. Well, exactly, and, it, and it's in a better situation where yes. Chris Paul is going to be able to help this team out more. And also, Chris Paul is 
And no offense to Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, or, or, or Markel Fultz. I'm not trying to bash these guys by saying mm-hmm. this, but CP3 is more motivated than those guys. CP3's been in the league. He knows his times running up. We saw this in the in, in the last game. to the finals. Exactly. We he literally this, we, carried Harden out of horrible we, performances. We saw this in the playoffs where he was able to take over, and I don't think, like Ben Simmons showed in the playoffs mm-hmm. this year, not able to take over. Markel Fultz wasn't playing in the playoffs. And we look at Joel Embiid. He wasn't. He wasn't fantastic. I mean, he, he made some boneheaded mistakes. And he's still gonna have to get over that hump where CP3 is motivated. Yes, he might not be there. He might. He, he might have an injury. But also, that's one guy compared mm-hmm. to three. And also, you have a more motivated, veteran, skilled player in CP3 over Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid, and Markel Fultz. So I, I think one thing is 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 with the 76ers is I think this massively hurts them because. If Colangelo was there, you have a sense of stability. You have a sense of, all right, we're building towards something. We have the 10th pick. We're going to be adding on something to this team. Maybe we even go out and get a Kawhi Leonard. And we have a GM that has, has made so far moves to help this team, like bring in Ilyasova, like bring in Bellinelli, like sign J.J. Redick and make sure he was on our team. I think that would have helped it because it shows stability. We just re-signed Brett Brown to a contract 20, to, to 21, uh, 2021. And now you have Colangelo now being on the rocks, being fired. You see you know, the, st- the instability in the players. I think the cracks are now showing in mm-hmm. this Philly team where maybe this Philly team wasn't ready. They over-succeeded, and now these expectations are being thrown through the roof where, hey, if we get LeBron, now we're going to be an NBA Finals team where if they don't get LeBron, where's this team going to end up playoff-wise? Because, yes— Ben Simmons was fantastic last year. Joel Embiid, when he was healthy, was fantastic. But also, this team needed a 15-game winning streak I mean, to I put them where similar. they were in the playoffs. It's like they're not going to drop out of the playoffs. <laughs> no, but I'm saying that this team needed a mm-hmm. crazy end no, to the season to put them where they were in the seed at a three seed. Mm-hmm. If this team was a seven seed going up against Boston, it almost would this be the same? Would this team be going as far as they did in the playoffs? Would this team mm-hmm. being, you know, you picked them to go to the finals? Yeah. If they didn't have yeah. that end of the year run, would they be in the situation where they were this year? So mm-hmm. with with Houston, I think it's it's more uh, it's more of a stable situation because you look at Daryl Morey. This guy has made great move after great move. Minus Mike, Ryan Anderson. Mike <laughs> minus Ryan Anderson. Uh, Mike D'Antoni. That would assign a trade for LeBron. Mike D'Antoni is a guy that's proven that he's been able to win the playoffs before. He hasn't won a finals but mm-hmm. more than Brett Brown so I look at Houston you just see stability where yeah. you look at uh, you know uh, the at least the the 76ers and you see potential yeah so then, I think the biggest thing is is I think this kills not kills but severely damages Philadelphia's chances to get LeBron James I think severely damages their their ability to at least look like a stable organization to piggyback off your point about you know how these teams can succeed going forward we saw it off of the back of the stars in Houston. Yes, role players had games, but the stars mm-hmm. were it was incredible performances by James Harden, incredible performances by Chris Paul, and then you had role players after that. Meanwhile, on the Philadelphia 76ers, like I mentioned earlier, it was role players exceeding expectations left and right. Yes, Ben Simmons did a lot to get them there, but it was the role players shooting incredibly hot that got them through the playoffs or into the playoffs and mm-hmm. then as far as they made it in the playoffs. The only one as far as guys... I'm sorry, if you're in the playoffs in the second round, and I'm counting on Marco Bellinelli making shots to get me through to the next round. Still did it. I mean, he did. Look, <laughs> look, the man takes off-balance shots like he was born to do it. It's incredible. But yeah. my point being, that should not be your hope and why you're winning games at that point. You should want to rely on the guys who can you know, force you to win games. And that's what LeBron James has with two other stable guys in Houston. And another thing, too, is, yes, they just re-signed Brett Brown, but what were a ton of Philly fans saying 
after that after that series against Boston. They were saying fire him because he was getting out coached, he just was, getting torched by Brad Stevens, yeah. coming out of timeouts, coming out, coming out, just coming out. The lineups I, I, I were terrible. Game. He didn't know how to keep the momentum of the game in pace. He he subbed back in Ben Simmons to lose a game, mm. basically. Like T.J. McConnell again, another role player having a phenomenal playoff performance. You know, it was standalone to the series, but still. He was what was winning them the game in the series. And I was like, nah, I'm putting Ben back in. I'm gonna trust my guy. And what if, and what if Braun signs and they just mm-hmm. they, they don't have the, they don't hit those expectations? What if Ben Simmons isn't ready to be to be the guy, to be the number two to LeBron James? That's a lot to ask for. It took Kevin Love years to do that. Kyrie wanted out because he didn't want to be doing that. Mm-hmm. Yes, maybe he wanted to be a number one. Maybe it wasn't solely because he wanted to be the number so two you're to, to, Kate, a, to LeBron. It's only a job for one man, D. Wade. D. Wade can only no, be the number I think two for LeBron. CP3 could do it, or yeah. I think James Harden can do it. But I'm saying it's a lot of pressure to put mm-hmm. on a guy right away, especially Joe. I think Joe could probably handle it more than Ben could. Yeah. But even then, Markel Fultz, a guy that could barely play because he couldn't get his jump shot down, now he's going to need to be a bench player, a role mm-hmm. player with LeBron James. Like I just look at this, and this is unstable, and now the Colangelo thing just kind of reeks of it. And I think that's the biggest thing that's going to hurt them, not only for their chances for LeBron, but also just for any other free agents. Because now you look at J.J. Redick, and mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I just took a ton of money, and I made a great amount of money taking that contract. I just had a great year. Why would I want to go back to Philadelphia that, yes, gave me that money, but also Colangelo, who gave me that money, isn't here anymore. We look like a team that's a little bit on the rocks, and maybe I could go to a team, take a lesser contract because I just got a ton of money, and make sure I get a ring because, hey, my clock's running up a little bit. I'm well, becoming 34 years old. And that's why old. also kind of to think about it a little more, too, is – I think that if they keep Colangelo, which we're not expecting them to do, that's the only way this hurts them. If they get rid of him, then it's like a well, it, it helps. All them, right, but I think this we're wiping our hands clean. It's not mm-hmm. going to be a complete turnover of like, oh, we forgot about it. But to me, it's, <laughs> to me, it's who you bring in next. And the reason why I'm going to circle back to David Griffin has nothing to do with LeBron. You mentioned it though. In Cleveland, he was all for the rebuild. What better way to bring in a guy who's already had that experience kind of rebuilding a team before LeBron kind of well, no. shot in the arm to it? Think about it, though. He didn't make the moves. He mm-hmm. went out. LeBron wanted supporting cast, so he traded he their K. number Love. one pick in Wiggins mm-hmm. to go get Kevin Love. He traded off pieces to go mm-hmm. get J.R. Smith and Shump. Like He he could do the same Channing thing. Get Channing, he's not afraid to make moves to get things done, and I think that's what LeBron but, wants because that's LeBron did it himself, mm-hmm. and that's the question is like, now that we see it happening without him there, I'm like, well, how much was David Griffin? Griff- how much was LeBron James in for? He's also going to milk every. He's going to milk every, every ounce out of this team for every good move too. He's also made bad moves, like yeah. re up Tristan Thompson to that deal, re up J.R. Smith. Um, so I, yeah. I, again, like for every good move, there's bad moves to GMs. It's just it's how true. much can you can you bear? I just look at again, like you look at the the track record of Jerry Morey, you look at the track record of the Rockets. I, I think that this puts them in the lead, and we saw in Vegas, Philadelphia was the lead. Their odds went down. I think Houston is the odds-on favorite now to sign LeBron James. And I think you look at Philadelphia, they might be hurting their chances to finish as high as they did in the playoffs last year. Will they still make the playoffs? Yes, the East is completely weak. But will they finish third? If LeBron stays, if LeBron mm-hmm. stays for another year, Boston's the way it is. If and LeBron, we see teams that that are up and coming, like Toronto. Toronto's still going to have the players they have. Up and coming. I, I don't know <laughs> if. Well, no. Let's or, be honest. Let's say the Toronto Pacers. might even finish first, or like in the top three of the stands in the East again because that's they're what I'm a stacked team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're it's not like, up and coming. They've no, been, I was, I was thinking about I was thinking of an up and coming team, but I didn't want to disrespect the Rockets. Uh, uh, I was I was going to throw the Pacers out there because they're they're up and coming too, especially depending on the moves they make. Yeah. Milwaukee as well if they when oh they make their you know head coaching change. 
in the East. It, it's it's a thing where Philadelphia, if this is an unstable environment, they can fall down on the standings, and they could be going from hosting a, a first round playoff game to or, or series to going to Boston as a seventh seed to take on Boston again in the first round and making your trek to the NBA Finals much more difficult. Let's be completely honest, though. In my mind, if LeBron goes to Houston, then the East is not wide open. It's Boston's It's Boston's to lose, basically, yeah. in my mind. But but the thing is, is we can't rule out also the fact with LeBron, because this is a yeah. 76ers segment, um, is, is that he could still sign a one-year deal. Yeah. The he nice thing about the Sixers, though, is you can still go after guys like Paul George. Mm-hmm. Not yep. a bad consolation prize. So it's, again, it's it's you have to make sure that the guy you hire is going to be the right fit because you have an opportunity now to hit the reset button on that. You get a clear clear name. The perception of the franchise doesn't have to be tainted for long because of this because you're doing the right thing. You're clearing house. Mm-hmm. Is your number one guy Griffin as well as, as Ricky's? I don't have a number two guy, so I'm purely going with that. <laughs> I'll be honest. I don't know the, the hot names and GMs well, right now. I didn't mm-hmm. do enough I'll, homework I'll give you uh, one. before figuring this out. My number two would be the guy who, no, it's the guy who withdrew from the Detroit Pistons uh, GM job. The I'm going to screw his name up. Gerson Rosas. The, um, he's with the Rockets. He's an executive with the Rockets. You didn't just Google search that? No, I'm looking at Woj's Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, it's anyway. good guy to reference, though. Anyways, uh, I, I think one thing, though, it's, it's going to affect the 76ers massively. It, it, whether it comes to LeBron, whether it comes to free agency. Also, what's Joel Embiid's reaction going to be when when Colangelo does get fired? Because Colangelo said, it wasn't me. And and mm-hmm. Joel Embiid came out and was like, oh, it wasn't him. But if the 76ers fire him, it's pretty much saying, all right, yeah, it was we him. Admit, yeah, or at least yeah. it was his I wife. I think already or at least we know it's him. Yeah, yeah, I know. But I'm, I'm saying like that's going to hurt Joe because Joe yeah. was just lied to again. And Joe is mm-hmm. your, your your centerpiece. And he's very vocal. He's very vocal. It, it could be detrimental. Maybe, again, you just resigned him, so it's not going to you know take away Joe from this team, but it mm-hmm. might affect his play on the court. Did they also tell Joe, not like, hey, don't go after players on Twitter? They uh, asked didn't him. Didn't they tell him that? He's like, I'll do it. Yeah, I'll say. He's making money. They're paying him. He's like, they're not going to release Joel He's got contract. Beat. He's going to play street ball Joe. in Philly. God, bouncing balls off people's faces. That was so good. Yeah, if you're in Philly, hit up a, uh, hit up your local park and get dunked down by Joel Embiid. I wish we were there right now. <laughs> but anyways, so uh, for, uh, it was not going to four because we're not done with the, the podcast. But uh, anyways, let us know your topics uh, and thoughts about Brian Colangelo and the burner accounts that he had. But let's jump into our favorite segment here on the Fast Break Podcast. We're talking about the soggiest of shooters, the dampest of dudes, the moist men of the NBA. We're talking about guys that absolutely popped off, whether crazy stat lines, historic performances, unreal, you know, just just, just efforts out on the floor. Um, we're talking about that all here on Wet Boys. Um, Ricky, we got the playoff Wet Boy mm-hmm. counter going. You're adding a guy not only for the first time in the regular season, but also in the playoffs to the Wet Boy counter. Who you got? I got to go with Clay Thompson. Not only did he just blow up in Game 6 and pretty much save the Golden State season in their Western Conference Final Series. Game one of the finals, he is, to me, the real reason why we're sitting here with the Warriors up 1-0. If he doesn't foul George Hill, we don't get anything that happened with Jared Smith with the missed foul shot. So I got to go with Clay Thompson, more so because of what he did in game six. But then there's also the finals as well. And Dave, we may have thought a little bit along the same lines with our wet boys. Because, I mean, Clay Thompson absolutely went off. But we can't pick yeah. Clay Thompson because Ricky here I picked him. Of course not. Um, and, and, you know, we, we saw the 35-point perform- performance from uh, from Clay sure, Thompson you couldn't pick in Game him, 6. Because I already picked yeah, him. Yeah, I mean, they, yeah. they'd be against Makes the rules. Um, so, Dave, who'd you go with uh, for, for, just for the wet boys? You know, I had, to, I had to go with the guy who was leading the Cavs there. Brought him to the big dance, LeBron James. I thought you meant <clears> JR. 
Not not quite JR. <laughs> no, LeBron James, come on. Game seven, that performance, he had 35, 15, and nine. He was shooting really well. He he absolutely he handed them. They're like, all right, guys, it's time. It's game seven. We're going to the finals. You know how this dance ends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was an unreal performance in yeah. game seven. I mean, we just saw him late in the game. I mean, the, the back-to-back and it was once. Clutch. It was unreal what, what LeBron James was doing in game game seven. But I, I went with a different different player just because mm. I thought, you know, what what really defines a great player? Yeah. You know, it, it's taking over, it's being a leader, and it was LeBron James' performances in game oh. one. Because, I mean, LeBron James... But it's the same in game, player. It's different, though, because his was on May 28th, mine was on uh, May twenty May 31st. I, it's completely different. Bullshit. Um, different, different thing along the timelines. <laughs> uh, LeBron James, game one, 51 points, 8 total rebounds, 8 assists, 59% from the line. Talk about efficiency. Yeah. 43% from 3, and I think 11 of 12 from the free throw line. Absolutely unreal game from LeBron James, and, and, and should have won the game, too. I mean, that's his second best performance in the finals ever, and this is a 51 point performance you put again. Two pictures of LeBron. I just noticed the thumbnail. I know I'm cutting you off. Yeah, it's two, here. Picture, two yeah. different pictures of LeBron. Th- you put two different yeah, pictures. Yeah, because it's two on the road it's, in both games, but it's two you know. different LeBrons. <laughs> it's two different LeBrons. So we have to put two different pictures. So, but here's the thing I want to just say. I well, there's efficient Bron, and then there's also Boston Bron. Well, I mm, also want to yeah. ask this question to them. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this travesty of Sean said it? Of oh, we couldn't pick Clay Thompson because Ricky already picked him. It was a joke. But they picked that the same one. Joke, well, joke over it's your against head. the rules. It didn't go over. It's my not head. against it's the rules. It's not against the rules. We made up this segment. I Dave outvoted. I know. Dave and I outvoted I two want, one. I'm trying to see what they think. What do you think about us picking LeBron the same one? The or should we have three different ones? I think we should all have three different wet boys. I want to know what well, they think. And I just want to throw this out there since you're making your case, mm-hmm. of course. So I mean, it's yeah. got to be fair, Dave. Um, you know, I remember when. I was uh, driving down um, a certain street, um, and I saw Dave to the left of me, and I said, hey, Dave, and I screamed out my window, what if we started a segment called Wet Boys? And uh, and we made up the rules. We literally were um, yelling across yeah. uh, between cars yes. for about 45 seconds mm-hmm. discussing this being a thing and, even. And, and we came up with the rules there. And, and in the rules, we never said that we couldn't pick the same player. Yeah. We just said that we were going to pick two players. Double honor for and, the week. And these are two different players because one's in game seven of the Boston series, different series as well. Um, exactly. And this one is game one of the, the, the finals. And again, I just want to see what they think. Again, LeBron, Boston James and LeBron efficient James. You know, 59% from the field, 43% from three, 11 to 12 from the line. LeBron James is absolutely fantastic. And again, this is his second best performance in finals uh, finals history. I'd still put up game seven of uh, the 2015 finals there where he put up the triple-double. I think that was more of an impressive performance, especially with the block well, to and end it, and, and they won, won the game. Yeah. So I think that, that, was, that, that, to me, it's more efficient. But also, again, to, to that point, that the fact that they won, they didn't lose because LeBron James they lost because of J.R. Smith. No. Uh, but anyways, let us know who your white boy is uh, down in the comments below if you believe it should be LeBron James. And what LeBron James? Is it Game 7 Bron? Is it Game 1 Bron? Is it just LeBron James in general? Is it Clay Thompson? Uh, maybe if it's even uh, Chandra, uh, Sean Livingston. I was going to keep saying yeah, Chandra Livingston. Half of that is injured. Let us know your <laughs> Half of that's injured. Let me know uh, your what boy down in the comments below. But anyways, let's move into the final topic. And again, if you stick with us so, so far, or you're just joining us on YouTube, uh, don't forget to rate us five stars on YouTube, the Fast Break, the Onside Kick, the Primetime Podcast, and the Rick and Johnny Podcast. And if you are on YouTube, uh, check out the Outcast. Uh, Buzz and Juice put out a great podcast every single week. But boys, let's get into the final topic. We're talking about should the Celtics trade up for Mo Bamba? A report came came out saying that the Celtics are intrigued by the big man from Texas. And Ricky, we know you love Mo Bamba. Mm-hmm. We know that Boston does have some ammo. Obviously, you know they have a ton of 
of wings now. Gordon Hayward. Uh, you look at Jason Tatum. Like you look so at Jalen Brown. You look at uh, Terry Rozier, who had a fantastic playoffs outside of the last two games. They have a lot of ammunition. They don't have a pick mm-hmm. in the uh, at least in the top ten, but they do have a lot of ammunition when it comes to their players and also future picks. So it might be possible. It might be a little bit difficult. But do you think? that the Celtics should trade up for Mo Bamba isn't a nice fit. I'm going to say yes, and just to go one Shocker. step uh, one, I don't think you said no higher. to any of these trades. What I'm going to say <laughs> is I'm going to go one step higher, Sean. Tin for Ricky as a trade for you. So here's what I think is going to happen. This is me putting my predictor head on. The Celtics are going to make a trade with the Hawks. So Suns make their pick. Kings make their pick. Neither of it's Mo Bamba. Celtics will get the third overall pick, and they will ship out the 27th this year, the next year pick of either Philly or Sacramento, however, whichever pick is higher is mm-hmm. who Sacramento. gets it. So it's either one of those picks Sacramento. and then next year's Memphis pick as well. So if you're the Hawks, you're getting a first rounder this year, two firsts next year, one of those being the Kings. And the Grizzlies, could even, if, the even if it's like a 14, even if it's like a 16, you're still getting a first-round no, pick. Well, if it's not, then you get it next year. Yeah, um, You get three first-rounders just for Mo Bamba, and that's what the but Celtics will take. Why would Atlanta do that? They already have, they, even in the back half of the lottery, mm-hmm. they have, I think, two picks from Minnesota and then Houston. So they have two picks from at, at, 20, at 19 and 30. So why are they trading back again? Why, why wouldn't they take a, a guy who should be a, a one star now when your team needs a star now? Because and if, also one of the more, one of the more deeper drafts. So with that trade, I the reason why I kind of thought that one up was the Hawks right now are not going like their roster is not going to compete. So instead of taking one player here at three, let me get another pick later. Let me get two picks and basically do so the Boston you want thing. Three first yeah. rounders. Let me in the, in let the me back just go ahead draft. hedge my bets. Let me go and get additional assets for the future and kind of build this team through the draft. Now, the interesting thing for me with this trade mm-hmm. is is if it's the Hawks, if because that's the one team that people are targeting in the top three to maybe trade, yeah. if the Celtics and the Hawks made a deal for Mo Bamba, would they have to include Dennis Schroeder in that? And that, the Celtics, I would say, no way, I'm not trading for Mo Bamba. I don't think Boston could even take on that salary, because right now they're paying three guys over $20 million in Al Horford, Gordon Hayward, and Kyrie Irving. And then they're going to have to bring on $15.5 mm-hmm. million in Dennis Schroeder, and he's going to back up Kyrie Irving? Well, no, it would be uh, Marcus Morris, it would be Terry Rozier, would be the two that you're looking to trade. So, so you're giving them... And the picks for Rozier in the third. Terry Rozier, okay. yeah. Marcus, uh, yeah, Marcus, Marcus Morris, Morris yep. three future picks, yeah. and then Dennis Schroeder in the third. Yeah, so it's basically the picks for the pick, and then if the Hawks wanted Schroeder in, all right, we'll give you Scary Terry and Marcus Morris. I'm not saying I would make that trade, but that's how it could work. Dave, and would to you do me, that? it's like Scary Terry is the same age as Dennis. Nope. Thank you. Why would you want to bring in Dennis Schroeder, who's getting paid more money than no, Terry no, no. Rozier? No, I'm, I'm not, just saying. Like, I'm not I'm, saying I'm, want I'm to. saying logically. Yeah. Like if we're if we're throwing out trade mm-hmm. ideas, let's think about this logically. Yeah. I don't think Atlanta would want to move from three all the way to 27. And yes, I know they have the 19, mm-hmm. but also this is a team a draft that is very deep from like one to eight, and then really thin where you're taking projects, why, uh, especially outside of the lottery. Why so not why would trade they move back, back then to try to trade back up? Why, why <laughs> give up the third pick when you just won it? You just exactly. won it in the lottery. for a whole year. But and you're you not going to be in this position next year, even if you have multiple shots with, but what with the they, future picture. What getting. they could do, and this is why with the Hawks, why I look at this, you can this year 
use some of those later picks, like maybe the, let me see, the, what, 27 and the 30th, maybe to move back up. And then the big thing is you're getting future picks as well. Where are they using the 27th and 30th to move up? You can move up into, like, the late teens, early 20s Mm. to try to snag a guy. Like, like, again, if you're moving up that far, you're not getting a guy that's a franchise changer. If there's two guys there that they like, they can only take one of them. So they could—I'm saying they could move up if they wanted to to grab a guy. The big thing that's going to be the most enticing to any team that Boston goes to trade with is here. How many assets do you want? Boston can't even trade the 27th pick, though, because— they traded last year the third the third pick to move up to get the the first. So they, they still can't get that pick because that still counts as trading your last year's pick. So, so they still get, can't get that pick. So then you get future picks? Like I mean, like, got, I don't see this Boston, working because I don't see why Atlanta ha- would want this. Boston has assets is basically what I'm saying. They yeah. have assets for days. <clears throat> if I'm Boston, I'm trying to do whatever I can to try to get Mo Bamba because one of the well, biggest things— Why does Mo Bamba fit for them then? The because big thing w- for what's me, the biggest thing that Mo Bamba's going to bring to the Celtics team? Defensive, a defensive interior. The big thing in that Cleveland series was LeBron had his way. So to me, I'm not saying Mo Bamba's going to do this right away, but yes, he's going to develop a shot offensively. But defensively, LeBron drives to the hole, boom, my defensive center is there. Then you can move Al Horford out to the four, Mm -hmm. and then you add your Gordon Hayward, your Kyrie, and both of your Browns and Tatum. Dave, I'm going to try to go to you. Hopefully you're you're, uh, get get a cough (laughs) out there. Um, What are your thoughts about Mo Bamba on the Celtics team? How does he affect it? I mean, mean, is this a guy that you think can fit in the Celtics team and at least make an impact? Because if you're going to have to give up Rozier, if you're going to have to give up Morris, these are guys that were making massive impacts on your team during the playoffs. Is Mo Bamba going to be able to step in and make that that, that impact that you need right away as a first-year player? Nope. So should they they make this move? soaking wet. I can't see how he's going to be able to stock any on the interior because he doesn't have the body to do it yet. He is a project. He is someone who down the road could be the best center in this draft, but right now is a project. He is long. Yes. He has good defensive IQ. Yep. Does he have a shot? Nope. So you're telling well, me that we're going to go after... He doesn't have... He has a shot. Not right now, he doesn't. It's He was 27% last year. He was a, a pretty decent free throw shooter, and he's been working on it a little bit. I mean, he's it's, it's not It's not Does like... Does he have a shot right now? Well, no. it's not like J- Ja bad, where Ja doesn't have a shot at all. I mean, it, it's... I mean, it's, Ja it's, has it's, a better shot than yeah, he but does. It's... I don't know about I, that. I mean, it's it's in its, not, it's silky smoothest move. <laughs> it's in its it's in its early stages. He's, he's going to have to develop it. He he's not going to be an efficient shooter for a bit. My point being that he can't help you win now. So trading away two pieces in Terry Rozier and Marcus Morris does not make sense for this team. Um, I think the trade of giving away your future is anti Danny Ainge. Mm-hmm. First off, secondly, I don't think like you said the Hawks mortgaging their best pick in years. You know, they're their best chance at gaining a superstar for this team. It doesn't seem likely to have. Uh, and well, you said even it, it's a deep draft. It's still not worth going back and then trying to manage your way back up. The only way it could work is a three-way trade to get somewhere in the middle mm-hmm. and still stay competitive. Well, we saw Danny make a move, obviously, last year for Kyrie. And, yep. But we didn't see him move up and, and get a, a prospect. Yes, I mean, yes, they got the Jason Tatum and Markel flip, but again, that was one to three. It wasn't a massive mm-hmm. trade. I mean, again, they, they, still they gave a the future. Same rough talent pool. Yeah, yeah, again, they, they were they're sticking the same talent pool. They were just getting making sure they get they were getting the guy right they, they wanted. And also, they picked up a pick. So that, yep. I think that's the biggest thing with, with Ainge. We haven't seen him move up and, and take a gamble on a guy. We've seen him move down, at least take a player. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, so I feel like this is out of Danny Ainge's at least uh, idea yeah. uh, of, 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 of doing it. That's why it's not will. It should. Yeah. So at least, Dave, if they do trade up, let's say they have this ammo in, in Marcus Morris and in Terry Rozier, yeah. and even Brown, Gordon Hayward, some even throwing out Kyrie, but that's ridiculous, yeah. um, and yeah. obviously the future picks. If they are trading up, what player do you think best fits this Boston team, not only to help them this year, but also uh, along in the future because this is a very young team? Yeah, I mean, it's it's a weird situation because right now they feel like if you come in with a healthy team, they're championship ready. They feel like they could walk into a series and have a fighting chance against the Warriors. They should have every right to believe that after what they after what everyone saw this year. Imagine Kyrie Irving's offense and... Uh, Gordon Hayward able to run the court. I mean, that's just that team would be so deep. And yes, their problem is still defense interior, but I'm not so worried about it that I'm going to go out and shell out for someone uh, who is a project. You, there's no one right now at the top of that draft who I think could be a game changer in year one, like Jason Tatum was for them this year. I think mm-hmm. that the only guy who stands an outside chance is Jaron Jackson because of how NBA ready he is. And I don't even know that I would sacrifice, you know, multiple years of picks to go up and get him at three, four, five range. See, but that's the thing. Like with this team, with where they are, and it kind of almost, in a way, reminds me of what I saw with my own team in the MLB, the Cubs, where we, yeah, we expected to win the World Series, but then boom, the year happens where we go and play the Mets. And it's like, oh, maybe this is accelerated a little bit. I was watching Boston this year. Without Kyrie, without Gordon Hayward, mm-hmm. and I'm like, these young players are accelerating the timeline yeah. to where we are getting to where you said they come in healthy and they're favorites. I think they're Eastern Conference the East. favorites already. Like well, for next that, year, if LeBron even, James isn't on a team, if stay or go with Cleveland. But I mean, the thing that I would do if I'm the Celtics is <coughs> the Marcus Morris, the scary Terry trade. I would even not do that. I wouldn't move any players. But if I can take these picks to where Really, if I'm Boston, I'm not looking to develop a ton of players. At this point, I want to win now. So even if it's not next year for sure, if it's the year after or year three, I will take these assets that I've kind of stockpiled and find but, some way to move but, up to get a guy like Mo Bamba at three or at two or at four or wherever you get him higher up than whatever player I'm going to get why at 27. Mo? Why Mo? Why, why does Mo fit this Celtics team? Because for because, me, uh, I feel like it's he is, to me, I've said it since the beginning, well, since like a little bit through of, like I, the, feel past like, month. I feel like two to three years in, we're going to be seeing and saying he's the best center of this draft. And the thing also that you got to think from maybe a Celtic perspective is who, when he's working on his shot now, who's he working with? The same guy that helped Jason Tatum. So, I mean, with that too of in there. Tatum's shot wasn't broken. No, no, no. I'm not saying it's broken. The trainer that he worked with coming into the draft. It's the same guy that helped Tatum with his shot. What I'm saying is, but I'm saying is, Tatum. Tatum's shot is, it was already, but what I'm saying is, he's he's working with the same guy. So, uh, Danny Ainge is probably sitting there too, going, "Hey, I like this kid. He's working with the same guy that worked with Jason Tatum, and look yep. where Jason Tatum has been. And even if he's not my starting center, I can develop him, and I can take on one project on this mm-hmm. team because of where our timeline well, is at." I get what you're saying, and, and this is just arguing for mm-hmm. argument's sake. But I'm just saying, like, it was the same trainer that Jason Tatum worked with, but also mm-hmm. there wasn't much to fix, and that, that's that's no, all I'm, I'm saying. saying that's just was. me, me to be yeah. argue to argue. Yeah. But, uh, what I do want to come to it is is it's kind of the idea of 
you're a kid in the candy stop, mm-hmm. and, and you're, you're you know you're, let's say a, a, you know Elon Musk's kid. You know, yes, you can buy the whole candy store, mm-hmm. but also you need to have some restraint. And yes, you might like a guy, you might like a Mobamba, you might like a Jaron Jackson Jr. Like you mentioned, you might like a DeAndre Ayton. But also, what's going to best help your team this year? And yes, maybe again, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Mobamba, mm-hmm. Jaron Jackson can help you in the future. But again, you're talking about a team and, and, and like the Cubs. Um, that now has had their their timeline accelerate to mm-hmm. next year, where next year you should be in the NBA Finals. Maybe not win it, because but, but at least be in the NBA yeah. Finals. And that's the expectation now for the team. And what did the Cubs do the, that year? All they did was pretty much plain and simple. They just got rid of Dexter Fowler and brought in uh, Jason Hayward. I mean, there wasn't massive moves. They didn't change much. Didn't they get a I closer? Oh, they also got yeah, Wade Davis. Chapman. We got yeah. rid of well, no, Dexter got, Fowler after we won the right. World Series. Yeah, okay. No. Yeah. No, because yeah. Jason Hayward was on the team. No, Jason Hayward had... was in the rain delay. Come on, yeah, buddy. Yeah, I know. Dexter we... Fowler was on the team, was he? Dexter Fowler oh, got the, the contract after the World stupid. Series. Because <laughs> he was our leadoff <laughs> guy, but that's baseball. That's Anyways, what I was saying, though, is they added veterans. And, they added veterans and, to make well, their teams more of, solid. Was and the kind I was of the debate, say. I know this is prospect to prospect, but I'm going to say it anyways. Yep. The whole thing of saying, like, oh, well, he's a rookie. He's not going to compete. Did we expect J.T. to play like he did this year in the playoffs? And not to this level. I expect him to play. I know, play, but, but like he stepped way. Well, we expect him to play at that level. So but, maybe if Danny Ainge, who has already hit once and knows kind of how to pick the prospects, it seems of late, Jalen Brown, point. who we all thought was going to be almost not mm-hmm. bust, but close. No, we understand that Danny Ainge has been able to hit. I mean, yeah. Even Terry Rozier, he picked Terry Rozier. Yeah. Like again, we're not mm-hmm. saying that he, he doesn't know quality prospects. Yeah. He does. But again, it, it's it's how much does it cost to get you those prospects? Again, he picked Terry mm-hmm. Rozier because Terry Rozier was available. Yeah. He traded down because he knew Jason Tatum was going to be available. Jalen Brown was there for them to mm-hmm. pick. So that's the one thing is, again, they were already in those <coughs> positions. They're going to have to put themselves in the position now to go up and get Mobamba. And you're trading away a ton of capital to, to get one guy to, to, to bring him in. Ooh. I don't think they should be trading him to get it because I don't think this is going to help your team next year. I think that's the biggest thing. Again, what did the Cubs go and do? Again, I, I know mm-hmm. I screwed that up. Sorry, Cubs fans, and sorry everybody that I, I, I screwed it's okay, around. I got you. I, I, yeah. I, I screwed up. Um, but the one thing that I, I do want to say is they brought in veterans to help this team. I they did it. They didn't go out and get a young guy that's you now going to have a ton of pressure and be forced into the starting lineup. Can Brad Stevens get the most out of him? Yes, we've but seen that with Avery Bradley. We've seen that with Jay Crowder. We've seen that with Isaiah Thomas. But I'm saying you could still. There's not. There's Isn't never, that the not whole reason they veterans. lost the series? You, they you didn't say yourself. The they didn't have enough veterans out mm-hmm. there. They lost because they're too immature. But here's so the thing: add is the there any? Is there any big in free agency this year? They might have spent. Now, I, I know that. And that's why, for me, if I'm looking at this team, and I know that it's all about the, oh, I go over um, who's the best player over need, but this team, the one thing I still think they need is a confident big that they can rely on all the time besides Al Horford. And for me, if I'm picking 27th, I'd rather go ahead and use these assets that I got and use them because I'm going to turn the analogy mm-hmm. that you did. Elon Musk kid. Yeah, he can buy the whole candy store, but you got to have some restraint. Or do you want to be on the other side of you're at the auction, you're sitting there, Mo Bamba comes up and you're like, oh, no, I'm I, oh, no, I'm not going to get it. I'm going to hold on to everything. And then he gets drafted by another team. But Yeah, that's the risk to, you're taking. I wouldn't, what's the point? My point is, do you want to show some restraint and say, oh, you can't? 
or on the other side but of you're giving up so much why, capital is the point. And that's but what is that capital going to do for that, that capital is going to be able to get you more line. veterans. That capital is going to help you win a title next year. Because again, I, I look at that series. The Cavs didn't lose because mm-hmm. because of big men. Yes, I mean, would it, would it help to have a, a bigger presence? You know, uh, for for uh, to stop LeBron James driving the bu- bu- bucket? Yes, but I mean, then again, Aaron Baines was a, a key contributor. Marcus Morris was a mm-hmm. key contributor. Yeah. You're going to trade away a guy that was stopping LeBron also, James for uh, you know four. Or five the games of, that, of well, that year, and then also again, Al Horford has been great. Yeah. Al Horford's However, been unspokenly great. To throw it in there, Al Horford's contract right now, you'd come in and you'd have Mo Bamba, then a second year with Al Horford, and then that third year. What's going to happen in 2020? Is Al Horford coming back? But, Are well, they going to get rid of him? That's the thing that all these all these um, assets for the future mm-hmm. are vital because they have Kyrie Irving, who's going to be a contract, who's a huge contract now. Mm-hmm. Who you're going to have to probably pay max to. You have Gordon Hayward, who you just signed to a huge contract. You have Al Horford, who will be on that huge contract. And yes, he'll take a step down on salary. But then as soon as he does that, you look up, oh, I guess I have to match Jalen Brown's offers yep. out mm-hmm. there. Oh, the next year, I have to match Jason Tatum's offers. And then the year after that, so, oh, I have to match uh, Mo Bamba's if, that's he, the if thing. he pans out. So these future assets are the next building blocks of this team. You need to keep the contracts flowing that way because you can afford to pay max contracts to max players. And I think one thing, too, is, again, those future picks, those are those future picks, you mm-hmm. can turn those into veterans. You can turn those three you picks. Can that, yeah. You can take those three picks and then turn them into veterans that are on a better contract. Hey, maybe Lou will. Maybe the Clippers don't have that great of a year. Maybe Lou will can come off and provide great scoring from you off the bench, and he's a veteran presence there. Maybe a Pat Bev is a guy that you can bring in, and Marcus Smart leaves. You can bring in a guy in Pat Bev who has a really nice contract. I, I mean, you know, obviously, if it's a 10th pick, you're not going to trade that for Pat yeah. Bev. But if that falls down a little bit, that's going to help you. And also, if we're talking about big men, you still have the 27th pick, and we still see guys late in the draft, and even guys that might be in the second round, that are big men that might be projects where mm-hmm. really you can develop. I mean, let's look at Brandon McCoy, a guy that's seven feet tall, pretty damn athletic, long wingspan. He might be in that area where you can help build him up. He's going to be on a smaller contract than Mo Bamba will be as a rookie, and also probably demand less money than Mo Bamba will, and he's a guy that you could possibly take in and develop. Maybe you make a move for to move up, and maybe not all the way to three, but maybe a guy that you love Mitchell Robinson, who's absolutely mm-hmm. balled out, maybe you make a move up to get him and possibly you know bring him on again, smaller contract, and maybe he's going to take mm-hmm. more time to develop because he's a kid coming straight out of high school. Um, well, again, a year off, uh, but he, he hasn't played in college, so I'm going to say straight out of high school. Um, he's a guy that again, he's going to cost less right away, and maybe he'll cost less in the future. That's still going to be an addition to your team that you can still bring on veterans to help this team. I think trading up and, and giving away three futures, Marcus Morris. And uh, you know Terry Rozier is just short sighted because again Terry Rozier can help you trade and, and possibly get a, a, a solid veteran on a younger contract where or on a longer contract where Terry Rozier's contract is going to come up soon and you won't have to pay him because yes a team's going to get a, a possible you know starter mm-hmm. and maybe even a star in Terry Rozier um, again yeah we'll see we'll see. Because um, again, the last couple of games it wasn't great. Ups but, and downs, but he, for sure. He, mm-hmm. he showed up. He balled out, and he might be season. a guy that you know thrives in Brad Stevens' system and that's thrives really in concerned. Boston and doesn't really step out. But you can possibly trade him and get a veteran that's going to help your team. Um, I just feel like giving up that much capital to go up and get any big man, not Mo Bamba, not, mm-hmm. not 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 Jaron Jackson, any big man. I think it's just foolish because, again, you have so much capital where you can turn that into more players that can help mm-hmm. your team next year rather than draft a guy that, yes, might be a star down the future. But, again, if we're talking about Mo Bamba, there's a lot that he needs to grow and develop. Would Boston be the right place? Hell yeah, because, I mean, they've done it so far. But also, it's just something where you're taking mm-hmm. so much and putting it all into one player where if well, it pans out, 
then Danny Ainge starts looking foolish. It doesn't seem like a Danny Ainge mm-hmm. move to me. Well, and that's why I'm on the side of, first off, it fits to me the biggest need that the Celtics team has. Then also, to me, you're at this point where it's like, you know what? I can hang on to all these assets and be fine. But if I'm truly going to put this team over that next level, we got to make, we got to shake things up a little bit or we got to take that risk. And for me, I'm going to take these assets. I'm going to go out, get the guy I want because, yeah, you mentioned McCoy. Yeah, you mentioned Mitchell Robinson. But guess what? I would take Mo Bamba over either of those guys. And I know you guys would too. That's not what I'm saying. But yep. what I am looking at is if you like this guy, it comes to any draft, NFL, NBA, anything. If you like a guy and you want a guy and you have the resources to get the guy, then go get the guy. But also you can make <laughs> foolish mistakes. Even though the fact that you can go get the guy it doesn't mean mm-hmm. you should go get the guy. Yes, you can love a guy, but also you can let that guy go. Again, leveraging your future let's, for let's, one guy is not always the best answer. We talk about you know the, the Bears consistently going to get their guy. They went from three to two. Like, they didn't mortgage their future. They made one step to move up. Mm-hmm. Did they get fleeced? Yes. But did they give up future first? No. They didn't fleece their future. They get rid of a couple thirds. Like, I, I, that wasn't a, a thing where you, you got your guy and you made sure you got your guy. But also, that was a smart move because With, that's a that's a quarterback. If I, that's, a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a pinnacle. Again, let's go to last year. Yeah. Uh, Danny Ainge. He made a move to go get his guy. But also, he made smart moves to Get a future pick well, and move exactly. down to get his guy. And the thing is, moving up to get your guy, it, it's going to take so much. And, and yes, I, you have the capital, but if it's a I was stupid a Boston move, I think. fan right now, in Danny Ainge is what I would be saying because any guy that Danny, like if Danny Ainge likes the guy, if I'm a Boston fan, I'm sitting there going, must be good enough for me. Ro- Terry, scary Terry is panned but, out. Jalen Brown is panned out. Jason Tatum. Yes, there's one where yeah, it could be a bust. But to be honest. I am looking at it with confidence for me and Danny Ainge. If Danny Ainge likes him, you have the ammo to do it. Why not go I'm do not it? doubting the fact that, you know, again, Danny Ainge doesn't know how to pick him. He, he's mm-hmm. shown and has a track record, yeah. record that he does. But I'm saying that he's also shown the track record that he knows how to make smart moves. Mm-hmm. And also, Danny Ainge showed the track record to get Kyrie, injured, uh, Kyrie Irving, who was already injured. Kyrie, Kyrie injured. Kyrie, Kyrie, injured. Like <laughs> uh, Kyrie injured, who, again, you know, already had this diagnosis mm-hmm. and was, you know, it was made known that he was going to need to get the surgery at some point. It's not major, but he was known to need the, to get the surgery and he brought in Gordon Hayward which again it shows just the crazy you know possibilities of any injuries happening first game goes down and snaps his ankle in half I mean that can happen to a Mobamba especially with how thin he is we don't know what can happen with these prospects yes he might be picking the right guy but something wrong might go you know wrong with Mobamba he seems like a great kid he seems like a you know a kid with his head on his shoulders but again we don't know what can happen where with these three other picks you can control what can happen and yes maybe you bring in a, a veteran that's mm-hmm. just not going to live up He's past his prime, and he and he's old and, and broken down. Yeah, we're not saying he's, he's going to get like injured. Tyson Chandler, but yeah. but but you you could possibly trade for a guy, and he can get injured as well. But I think the biggest thing is you're you're taking more shots, you're taking more opportunities. Where you know if you have those three picks, you can turn that into three players. Where you're taking three picks, two players to get one guy. I think that's and, just a short sighted move. Well, and even me, though if you have the long like if you have the 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 long picture in frame that Mobama's going to be a guy on our mm-hmm. team for the next fifteen years or 20, 10 years. Whatever, it's still short-sighted in the fact that he's going to help us right now. Well, a guy with his length, a guy with his defensive ability, mm-hmm. and because they have the assets, that's why if I'm like the but Celtics, I'm, so, the Celtics are in the position to take this risk. All right, so they they are in the position to take this risk. And I would go mean ahead. You need to t- 
I need would to go take ahead it. and take it because by sitting there and like, sitting on your hands, that's not going to help. It's you. Like, they're not going to sit on the hands. It's Danny Inch. You know he's not going to do mm-hmm. that. My question is: so does this? So does adding and sacrificing all these pieces mm-hmm. does that move them closer to winning a championship this year? Yeah, does Mo Bamba, adding Mo Bamba, getting rid of Marcus Morris, Terry Rozier, and those three future picks, does that help them win a finals? And beat Golden this State year? and Cleveland in the I don't think so. I'm not going to say, year, I don't think I'm not so. gonna say for year? sure, but I'm going to say it puts them in the running. I would. But are they not in the running right now? Year. Better than Warren? It would be better. You're adding Mo Bamba to this team. But you're but losing also veterans. Marcus Morris no, no, and No, no, no. I'm Rozier. saying the trade that I'm going with is okay. just the Lock picks. Just, just the picks? The picks. Not the, like I said from the beginning, the Dennis Schroeder thing so I don't three see. Picks, but mm-hmm. if the Hawks are one. the team, I could see the Hawks trying to swindle a Dennis Schroeder into a deal but to get rid of him. I'm just saying, again, I don't see how Atlanta takes that. I don't really see how any team takes that. Because even if you're looking at the Grizzlies, yes, the Grizzlies might still think that they're a playoff team. Mm-hmm. And maybe just, they do take a Marcus Morris. Maybe they do take a Terry Rozier. Maybe they do like the future picks. But I think the one thing is is that they want a guy that's going to help them right away. And I don't think Marcus Morris is a guy that's going to turn them, you know, into a, a favorite in the West. I don't think Terry Rozier is going to turn them into a favorite in the West. And moving back, you're passing up the opportunity to draft a guy that's either going to take over from Mike Conley, Marcus Gasol, <coughs> and be the next future star in Memphis. So I, I just don't see a team that is able it's to at least take that risk and, and drop out. Possibly even drop out of the first round because they can't trade that that 27th pick. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think it's a, it's a thing that's going to happen because I don't think Boston has the the, well, the, Memphis, the right they'd be getting to their pick back. Because it's but one of them from Memphis. That's yeah. last year. Like that. that that's next <laughs> well, year. I yeah. Mean, like I, I don't know. And the thing is, right now, you know these players. Mm-hmm. Like yes, you can look at you know uh, the 76ers last year and say, okay, if they don't trade that pick, uh, if they don't trade you know mm-hmm. the, the, their future pick, they're going to have that for the next draft class. But also, they saw a guy in Markel Fultz that they thought can they can add, and he could be a guy that's going to help them for the future. Again, that seems like a short sighted move now because we saw what happened with Markel Fultz, and we saw what happened with Jason Tatum. We don't know what's going to happen mm-hmm. with these guys that you're going to trade up. And also, you're giving away three future picks. What if that's the picks one, two, and three? It's very likely that very unlikely that's going to happen. What mm-hmm. if it's one, two, three, and it, and it lands out in the order where Boston gets that? Now you have the top three picks in the NBA draft. Could you imagine the firepower I that mean, you get for that? I Maybe hate, a Kawhi Leonard's I out there. I hate to play this card though, but in that situation. As long as Boston wins a ring, they're not thinking about that. They but I, but I don't think Mo Bamba helps them win a ring next year. I think it and makes that's, them— That's a, the thing, is that I, next I year— I think you're it gonna... makes them better than they were now, which pushes them closer to being a championship team. What's mm-hmm. funny is that you're you're pushing the heavy emphasis towards the center as the be-all, end-all solution for this Boston team. And it was I'm not seeing, end-all, be-all, but I Well, mean, you're saying that's what, that's what they need to do to get to a championship. And I'm saying—and what I'm seeing is, yes, what we saw out of the— you know, top eight teams from the playoffs this year was, yes, they had a lot of good big men, but at the same time, those big men also got ran off the court uh, for heavy, heavy minutes See, but because I think they, they went small lineups. So wouldn't another, you know, wouldn't a four, someone who's more flexible, who who's one of those tweener guys, mm-hmm. be more valuable to this Boston team? If we were talking about any, any of the bigs in the top, maybe a Marvin Bagley would be the exception, but with Mo Bamba, I feel like he fits... The run and gun that teams want to go to, like he's a guy that gets the rebound. He's immediately pushing, running down the court because 
that's what he's used to in college. That's what he's working on now. So, but can I mean, he be switched on? Can he defend the one, the two, thoughts. the three? I don't think he's defending the one, but I don't think he's going to be useless out there where we're like we're putting him I mean, on the bench. We've seen TT on uh, Curry, unfortunately, during mm-hmm. a couple of switches. Caleb yesterday too. Caleb was good. Like all these guys, you have in today's NBA. You have to be able to play off the switch and the pick and roll. I'm saying Mo Bamba would be a nice to have, but he's not worth the price tag right now. Uh, trying to get a deal done is going to be too hard for Danny Ainge. Uh, we're going to hear a lot of rumors, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of crazy requests, but it's not going to get done. And you're saying they should. I'm saying they should. Go yeah. ahead. Pull the trigger. I'm saying that it's not going to happen. I don't think they should do it. Again, even though that you have the ability to, doesn't mean you should. Um, anyways, uh, that's going to do it for the Fast Break Podcast. Let us know your thoughts on Mo Bamba to the Celtics or any of the other topics, whether it's the Cavs possibly pulling off the upset against Golden State, uh, Brian Colangelo uh, possibly getting fired for the 76ers, your wet boy of the week, or obviously the Mo Bamba talk. Uh, don't forget to check out mostvailpodcast.com if you want MVP merch. Also, check out the Luka Doncic article that I wrote if you, if you feel so uh, kindly to do so. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe if you're watching on YouTube. And if you're listening on iTunes, don't forget to rate us a five stars, both. Not the both. God damn it. Fast both. break. The Headset <laughs> Kick, the Prefta Podcast, the Ricky Johnny Podcast. If you're on YouTube, check out the Outcast. And finally, uh, also check out patreon.com slash podcast if you want to help support us and keep the lights on. But for Dave Oster, Ricky Wimmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.